Well, here we are. We made it through Thanksgiving. Yeah? How's his, how's his tummy feeling? Full? I'm tired. I'm, I think I'm tired of eating turkey, but glad to be here tonight. You know, we weren't here last week, so we missed a week. And then a couple weeks prior, we had uh, Pastor Alex doing um, Ornil, or Nile, however you pronounce it. And then we had David doing Ehud. And tonight, we're going to take a look at Shamgar. So this is the story, is I was originally going to teach Numbers 4 and 5, Deborah and um, Barak, and I got to looking at the text, and David didn't do verse 31, and I'm going, what's up with that? How come he didn't do verse 31? Well, obviously, it's, it's a different judge, and so he taught on Ehud, and that was the end of it, and that's perfectly fine and well. But then I got to looking at the scripture and verse 31 and, and Shamgar is mentioned. And one verse. So we're going to do one verse tonight. So you should be out of here by yeah, 7.51. So, <laughs> so let's pray and let's see where the Lord takes us. So Lord, we do come before you this evening. We do thank you, Lord, for this time, this day, this precious moment to be here, Lord, together to worship you in spirit and in truth, Lord, to get into your word, Lord, and to uh, confront each other, to praise, to exhort, to challenge, and to charge each other, Lord, to good works by the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, we're in Judges chapter 3, verse 31. After him came Shamgar, the son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad, and he also saved Israel. In Jesus' name, amen. See you next week. (laughs) So he's also mentioned one more time in uh, chapter 5, verse 6. Deborah mentions him and says, In the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath, in the days of Jeal, the highways were deserted and travelers went by roundabouts and other ways. So I want to get back to those verses in just a few minutes, but I want to take us back like on a, maybe a little recap just for a minute. It's been a week or two since we've come together and we've talked about judges and what's really going on. So we know that in verse 30, of 330, it says, So Moab, Moab just subdued that day under the hand of Israel, and the land was undisturbed for 80 years. That's interesting, 80 years. 40 years is generally a generation. And so you might say two generations, they had peace. Undisrupted, undisrupted time uh, together, peace, peace in the land. And it's also interesting that most of the time you'll see here it is just 40 But this particular time, it was 80 years. And that's really something to really think about when you start looking at peaceful time for 80 years and then all of a sudden it goes sideways. You'll remember with me that the judges are up and down, in and out, going sideways. One good, one bad, they come in and just all kinds of weird stuff are going on. And I just wanted to ask one question while we're there. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar today in this time and even in our own lives? How we're up and down and sideways and going different directions where we shouldn't be going. 
In those days, are, in, some, in the earlier days, they were calling that the judges cycle. And then along the way, they kind of revamped it a little bit and they call it the 4S cycle. And it's sin, servanthood, supplication, and salvation. Does that sound familiar to you? They would fall back into idolatry. They would commit this sin. They would fall back into idolatry. And then they would serve that sin. They would serve it and continue to serve it. And all of a sudden, they would, if you will, have a moment of clarity. And they would cry out to the Lord, Lord, oh, forgive me, Lord. Save me, Lord. Forgive me. And of course, God in his graciousness would. Does any of that sound familiar in your life? I know that when I was going back over this, I was originally going to teach, like I said, Deborah and Barack, and I asked Pastor Michael, would you mind if I just taught one verse? I think there is so much impacted in these things and the scripture and this book of Judges right here that we could probably do more than just one service. But tonight, this is going to be a lot of hitting home. I think for a lot of it hit home with me, and I know that it'll hit home with a lot of you tonight. Maybe you're going through some different things, even as Pastor Shane alluded to earlier. Maybe you are going through those things, and maybe you need a kick in the hindquarters to get moving, to get back on track, a moment of clarity, a realization that the path that you're on in this particular moment is not healthy. So we fall into sin, and then we serve that sin. It doesn't matter what that sin is, it seems like these days, whether it's drugs or alcohol, workaholism, anger, enabling, codependency, all those things that we fall into, and all of a sudden we start serving those things. They become the number one factor. They take priority over God. And that's what was going on with, in the time of the judges. They would fall into sin, the idolatry, and the different things that were going on. And they would serve those gods, just like we serve the gods that we put in front of God, the so-called small g gods, the things that we uh, use as sin to separate us from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's a vicious cycle that we get caught up in. It was a cycle that the judges were caught up in, and we're going to see this man, Shamgar, as we get into the study a little bit deeper, he's going to take a stand in the midst of that. And my challenge to you and to me tonight is that when that Philistine comes charging, whatever that is or whatever that sin that you get so easily ensnared in, that you too will take a stand just like Shamgar does. He takes a stand against the Philippines. <laughs> yeah, maybe them too. I don't know. But he takes a stand. And I, my prayer, my hope for us tonight, me included, is that when these things come, come toward us, that we put them off. That we get transformed by the renewing of our mind as we turn to Yahweh, as we turn to God for deliverance, for healing, to break that vicious cycle. Man, I tell you what, you guys, most of you know my story. And that vicious cycle of drug addiction will kill you in a heartbeat. And it's only the power of God that can deliver you from that, from alcoholism, workaholism, anger, whatever your drug of choice is. 
God can deliver you and he wants to deliver you tonight. It's interesting about sin. We fall into sin and then we, then we make it our God, our servanthood. We serve it. And then we cry out. But then we fall back into it again. We have hard heads, man. Hard. We got to bump our heads so many times. But it's interesting what it says in Matthew. If you want to turn to Matthew just for a second, or I can read it in chapter 12, verse 43 to 45. Now when the unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through the waterless places seeking rest, and it does not find it. And then it says, I will return from which I came, and when it comes, I find it unoccupied, swept, but put in order. Then it goes and takes along with it seven more spirits, more wicked than in itself. And they go in and they live there. And the last state of the men becomes worse than the first. That's why it's also, uh, will also be with this evil generation. That happens to us. We get clean, we get sober, we get clear from the anger and the, all the different things that we do. And we knock our head and we go back and we do it again and it's worse than it was in the beginning. Worse than it was in the beginning. And so it gets harder and harder and harder. Why can't we just get it right the first time? If I could answer that question, I'd be rich. It's because we're sinful. We were born into sin. Even in my mother's womb, I was conceived in sin. And the only one that can deliver me from those sins is Jesus Christ himself. And so we have to grab a hold of that. We have to hold on to his coattail, man, because it gets tough. I don't care how long you've been clean, how long, what kind of sin you got going on in your life. It becomes tough. Every day is a battle. Every day is a battle. That's why you grab on to the, whole, the end of his garment and you stay there. You cry out, Abba, Father, the Lord, help me, deliver me, cleanse me from the inside out. And he does. That's what's so gracious about him. We're so unworthy, and yet he still pours his love out on us. So let's get back to our verse for a second. After him again, it came Shamgar, the son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philippine, <laughs> Philistines with an ox goad, and he saved Israel. So there was this 80 years of peace, and then, of course, we know that the Philistines go sideways again. And it says Shamgar is called to take care of the situation. God chose an unknown man, an obscure man, to take care of business for him. He didn't have no long history of, well, at least it's not recorded, of any long titles or any grandeur or any super superpowers or any of those things. It was just a man. Just a man. Just a man just like you and just like I am. A man to be used by God. He wants obedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And so he uses Shamgar to accomplish his work. He's an unknown man and he only appears in the word of God two different times, both in the book of Judges which is what we already read. But what is said about this man reveals great courage and it, re and it reveals character. 
Sometimes, my friends, it doesn't take a whole lot of words to describe a person. Now you start looking back and we're going to look at Deborah and Shadrach or Barak. And you're going to see two complete chapters on those people. And then you look at David and you look at all the other different people in the Bible. All the, all, and they got pages and pages and pages of stuff. And here you got Shamgar who has one verse and then gets an honorable mention, if you will, a couple, another chapter over. Sometimes the character of a person doesn't have to be broadcasted. Sometimes the integrity of a person doesn't have to be broadcasted. When God calls somebody to do something and he's obedient, he doesn't go to the mountaintop and shout, hey, you. He goes to the heart of the man, the heart of the woman, and charges them and challenges them to do good things to do righteous things, to do pure things. Not really much is known about Shamgar. But what is said does reveal great things, great courage and great character. It says, Shamgar was the son of Anath. Well, who is that? Who is Anath? She was a chief West Semitic goddess of love and war. The sister of a helpmate of the god Baal. She was considered to be a young woman. She was often called the virgin in ancient texts. Probably one of the best known of the Canaanite deities. She was famous for her youthful vigor and fierceness in battle. In that respect, she adopted a special favorite by the Egyptian king, Rasses II. Although Anath was often associated, excuse me, excuse me, with Rasip in ritual texts, she was primarily known for her role in the myth of Baal's death and resurrection, in which she mourned and searched for him and finally helped him to retrieve him in the Netherlands, netherworld. Egyptians' representations of Anath show a nude goddess, often standing on a lion and holding flowers. During the Hellenistic age, the goddess Anath and Astarte were blended into one deity called Astartagus. Why do I bring this up? Good question. I think it's important for two reasons. Number one, she's mentioned in the Bible. If she was mentioned in the Bible, she needs to be mentioned here. And two, is that I think it helps us understand that your parents or your background or the history behind you doesn't limit your work with what God can do with you. She was a goddess in the eyes of the world. And her possibly, I say this possibly, husband, because she was associated with this Egyptian king, so he could, say could, very well be the father. Now, with that history and background, you got two people who don't have any relationship with Yahweh. You got one that thinks he's a god and it gets treated like a small g god. And then you got a mother that's a goddess. Uh, so, what does that mean for us? 
That means it doesn't matter what your parents or your grandparents or your history is, that God can use you regardless. You'll know, and we've said this many times from up here, that being from California or being on this side of the world and, and people check the box and they say that they're a Christian. Well, we know that not to be true, right? We know that it's a personal relationship. And here in this case, we know that the parents, and I'll use that in quotes, parents did not have a relationship with Yahweh. They were their own gods, if you will. And yet, God chose Shamgar. God hand-selected Shamgar, just like I'll say this, he picked you. He hand-picked you. And you accepted the call. There's the difference. You accepted the call and received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Now, we don't know any background on how Shamgar came to have a relationship, if you will, with Yahweh. We don't know how that happened. We just know that it happened. We know that God used him. If you're going up against 600 Philistines with an ox goat, do you know what an ox goat is? It's a stick. It's a prod. It's about 8 to 10 feet long, and it has a metal tip on one end, then like a shovel or a spade, if you will, on the other end. And when he's taking the ox and they're plowing the field and the ox decides to take a break, he jabs him with the, with the stick and keeps him going. And the other end is used for when the hole fills, the trails fill in, he digs them out and cleans them up so he's got a nice straight path. So if you're going to have the ability, there's got to be some God-given ability in the midst of this to be able to conquer 600 Philistines. Now, it also doesn't say if it was 600 at one time or if it was one at a time for 600 times. <laughs> I don't know. We don't know that, but we know that it says that he conquered or killed 600 Philistines. Now, it's also interesting, just another side note, to kill time. No, another side note is that the number six the sixth, number six, is man. Man is weak. It's the weakness of man. And so here's what I was thinking about, and this is my thought. Take it for leave it, whatever you want. My thought is that whether it's six men, 60 men, 600 men, 6,000 men, or 6 million men, God will always win. Because man is always weaker and God is always dominant. But the key is that you have to be open and willing and sold out for God. You have to be operating in the spirit, if you want to put it that way. You have to have that empowerment that God gives you to walk through the toughest times. And a lot of you, you every single one of you here, I bet, could tell you of a Philistine story that came up against you. And how did you get through it? You got through it by the grace of God. Because you turn to him, the author and perfecter of your faith, the one that gives you the power to walk step by step through anything that comes your way. You couldn't do it on your own. People that try to do it on their own, number one, don't have a relationship with God. And number two is that they fall even worse. 
they continue to roll and roll and roll. They, they're in that cycle that we talked about, that, that four-step uh, four cycle. And they get hung up in it. And they get hung up in that servanthood forever and ever and ever until finally they get slapped silly or they die. Even AA would say, jail's too, jail's, um, son, help me. There you go, amen. That's right, right? Yeah, sometimes you gotta die. But that's not our goal. That's not what we want. That's not what God wants for you. He wants you to surrender. He wants you to take control because he's given you the power. He's given you the power to overcome these things. And the number six, just for other reference, King Solomon in 1 Kings 10, 18. He had 600 shekels of gold that he used. In 2 Chronicles 9, 15, King Solomon had 600 shekels. The number six, 600, is more linked to man than anything. I think it's just a large number. Now, I don't know that they went out there and counted one, two, three, four, up to 600 Philistines. I don't know that. I don't think so. But 600 is a large number, and it's man and its weakness. Man in his weakness. And you'll have to remember with me that in this time, Israel was under attack by the Philistines. They're a warlike people who lived near the Mediterranean Sea. They would invade Israel. They would capture slaves. They would steal crops. They would destroy villages. When the Philistines came, most of the people in Israel would flee in terror. They wanted to avoid death or to be captured. And Shamgar, Shamgar refused to run. Shamgar was a farmer. He was an ordinary man. He was a man of labor, a man that tilled the, tilled the soil. He worked with his hands. An ordinary man, nothing special. And these Philistines would come and they would destroy everything around him. They would destroy his friends. They would kill people. They would destroy everything that everybody had worked so hard for. Maybe you know that in your life. The Philistines in your life have came and they've taken a stand in your life and they've wiped, so to speak, things out in your life. They've taken away family, relationships, jobs, all sorts of different things. But that wasn't the case for Shamgar. God had called him to take a stand, and I think God is calling each and every one of us in this moment in time to take a stand on whatever's coming up against you. Even just the daily life, we walk outside them doors and all Sheol breaks loose, man. You know that, right? Get on the 91 freeway. Get on the 15 freeway. River Road. River Road. And these days, you can't even walk into a store and know that you're going to get out okay. At some point, my friends, we have to stand up. We have to take a stand between right and wrong, between good and evil. I would say that not doing anything is taking a stand for evil. It's certainly not taking a stand for God. 
God has called each and every one of us to do things. To step out by faith and walk by faith, not by sight. He's called us to get out of our comfort zone. Do you think Shamgar felt comfortable? He was a, he was a farmer. He was out plowing, you know, with his ox goat, jamming up his oxen to keep them moving so he can make a living and provide. And then all of a sudden he gets infiltrated by these Philistines. And God empowers him. God calls him to do something. I would say that God is calling us to do something rather than set on our laurels. I think sometimes we get comfortable. It's so easy just to go sit in the chair and hit the remote. And I don't know what it is for you. I don't know. You know I, I don't know what it is. I'm just challenging you. I'm charging you through, the, through God's word, not through my word. As we look at these examples, you see that Shamgar had an ox goad, a stick. David had a sling against the Philistine, against Goliath. Slung a rock and knocked him silly. Killed him. What kind of an instrument do you have? God always provides. He gives you a weapon, whatever that weapon is for you. When God chooses someone to fight, he equips them for the battle. In this particular case, it was an unlike, unlikely weapon of choice, but a weapon provided by God. Three things I'd like to bring up here, just for your consideration. Number one, Shamgar fought right where he was. We too need to fight right where we are. We're in Corona, we're in Riverside. We need to fight right where we're at. Yes, there's other things going on all over the world, yes. But we are right here, right now, for such a time as this. I'm not saying we don't support other things that are going on but we got our own battle. We got our own mission field right here. He stood his ground. He made up his mind to fight. He did not give in to fear. He did not wait for better circumstances. He simply took his stand with God and won the victory. I believe that we can win any victory that comes, or any, anything that comes against us, we can, we can have victory through Christ. whether it's addictions, pornography, whether it's lying, cheating, stealing, anger, codependency. I mean, you name it, you go down the list, whatever, I don't know what it is for you. But you can have victory if you put your faith and trust in God and fight right where you're at. Number two is Shamgar fought with what he had. No matter how weak you think you are, your weapons are, if you put them in the hand of God and watch him do great and mighty things like the ox goad. We know that Moses had a rod, remember? Moses had a rod. David had a sling. And even 
the lunch of a little boy. Said 5,000. Even a lunch because he was willing to give it up. Shangar left the results to God. I think that's one of the keys is we don't always give it to God. We might say we do. God, take this, and the next thing you know, we're taking it back. But Shamgar left the results to God, and every time he put his life on the line, Shamgar trusted God with his life. Who are you trusting with your life? Are you trusting God with your life to get you through the things that you're going through? Shamgar trusted God with his life, live or die. He would stand with the Lord for what was right. Are you standing for what is right? And when I say you, I mean me too. Am I standing for what is right at all times? I don't think so, if I'm quite honest. And we have to be honest. We have to be open about things that are really going on in our life. God can work with honesty. God, God can work with openness. God can work with willingness. A lot of you don't know this, but I used to be a rageaholic. Not only a drug addict, but a rageaholic. I can go to zero to 60 before you could blink your eyes. But when you turn it over to God, he delivers you from it. He delivers you from those things. Whether it's drugs, hope to die drug addict, God delivers when you surrender. God delivers when you're sick. We're praying for Ruth, or for Greg Hernandez. You know that he broke his hip, and now he's got some blood clots that we're praying over. But we know God can deliver him from that as well, even at 88 years old. We're praying for Greg. I don't know what you're going through, if you've got a health issue or whatever. God can take that from you. God can heal you from that. He can restore families. We're coming into just a beautiful season. What a time. Wouldn't it be great for a broken family to be put back together at this time of the year? But listen, it takes a willingness. It takes a willingness to compromise sometimes with the people that you're at odds with. How valuable is that relationship? How valuable is that relationship that's been broken for so long? Sometimes you have to take the first step. Sometimes you have to, like Moses, put the, put the rod in the water to heal something. God wants to deliver each and every one of us. He wants to heal us. He wants to make us brand new. And we know that it's a long, hard road because we live in a fallen world and, we're, and we have this sinful nature in us. But we're being purified along the way. With every, with every heartbreak and every step that we take, we, 
and we depend on God, we become a little bit closer. We become a little bit more like him. I want to be like him. I want to. But we have these imperfections. And I'll say this. I don't know so sure there are even imperfections. They might just be the desires of my heart because my heart is not completely restored yet. In fact, the scriptures tell us our heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? But it's on the mend. And at one point in time, it will be healed and new and fresh. And that's the day we're looking for. Amen? Amen. So I want to read a quote. <clears throat> that, and I'm, I don't know who it's from. But I think it's it kind, of, kind of important. So what if Shamgar was not an Israelite? What if he had a Canaanite connections? What if we never dug up a biography of Shamgar or never know anything else about him? Do we not see the very glory of Israel's God? If Yahweh can be the maker of heaven and earth, if he has all the resources in his hand, then can he not deliver his people not only by many or by few? but also by disciples or by pagans. If Yahweh raises up Shamgar as a savior for Israel, surely Cyrus could come as no surprise. And it is particularly the glory of God to save by instruments unknown or scarcely known to us. The former blind man exclaimed, now that that is remarkable. You don't know where he came from, Yet he opened my eyes in John 9.30. We don't know anything about Shamgar, and yet he saved God's people. There is something marvelous about a God like that, something that compels us to bow down before the one who uses Shamgar and ox goads. God can use anything he wants at any given moment, in any given time. He used a donkey to speak. He uses us when we're willing and obedient to call, to go out and do his bidding, to be his mouthpiece, to be his arms and legs when we're obedient. And that's what Shamgar was. He was obedient. It's one verse, but it's got so much, so much relative to us even in this moment in time. A couple of afterthoughts here, if I could just kind of share them with you as well. In, in 1 Corinthians one twenty-seven, it says, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Shamgar was not mighty or powerful in his own strength, but with God's power, he was undefeatable. You too are mighty and powerful under the mighty hands of God. God is no respecter of persons. 
What he does for one, he does for all, for those who call on the name of the Lord. For those who cry out to him in the midst of trouble, for those who praise him, even in times of trouble, for those who praise him in difficulty times, for those who praise him when everything has come together. Another thought I had, this is just my thought again, is that I think Shamgar was a very humble man. He was open to hearing. He was open to being obedient. He was open to do what God called him to do. And he didn't need to be praised for being obedient. David, Samson, and so many others have long stories filled with many pages of the Bible, but Shamgar has only one verse. Not so sure, even like I said, even a little bit earlier, some people don't need a lot of accolades. Some people don't need to be in the press. God doesn't, God just wants you to be obedient and to do what you're supposed to do. A lot of times people are so concerned about the press that they forget about what they're supposed to be doing. And then pride comes in and we get back into that S cycle that I talked about so much earlier. Pride is a sin, right? Oh, look at me. Oh, look at me. Sometimes it's better being on the sidelines or being in the behind the scenes, if you will. I've always been an assistant pastor. That's my calling. I'm an assistant pastor. I have no desire to be a senior pastor. None. But I'm an assistant pastor. I assist. That's my calling. That's my gift, is to assist. When I came on staff here, I told them that. I'm an assistant. I'm, not, I'm nothing else. I'll assist anybody, anytime, anyplace. See, part of the, part of the thing about being number two and all of us are, all of us in this room are some kind of a number two. And what I mean by number two, <laughs> yeah, clarify that one a little bit, is that you're not number one in the workplace. There's somebody else over you all the time, right? Whether you're in corporate or even here at the church, right? There's always somebody higher, somebody that gets, that gets the accolades, right? Even in corporate, the branch managers, the different managers or different areas, all that, they get all the praise. It's not the lower staff that gets the praise, right? But when you know what your calling is and you're operating that calling, it doesn't matter. I talked to Pastor Michael about this. Pastor Michael gets all the praise for living truth, right? Right? You know it, right? Everybody says, Pastor Michael, Pastor Michael. And that's right, because he's the senior pastor. He carries the burden or the load for what all of his assistants do and what his staff does. He's called to do that. But there's a difference. He praises those that are under him. He gives them the accolades or the praise 
or the incentive or the kudos or whatever you want to call it. He knows that when we go out somewhere, they want Pastor Michael to speak because he's the senior pastor. But you know what it takes? It takes a good staff. It takes good assistance to help that senior or to help that corporate boss be a good one, no matter what business you're in. And so the, the point of that is, if you're walking in your calling, if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, God's going to bless you, just like he did Shamgar. Shamgar got a direct order from the Lord. However that took place, I don't know. But he went and did what he was supposed to do. And he gets one line in the Bible. One line. But that one line, to me, when I think about it, that one line in the Bible, to me, means more than the next two chapters about other people. Not that they're one's greater than the other. I'm just saying that this particular man, I believe, didn't need two chapters because his integrity, his openness, his willing and his obedience spoke volumes, absolute volumes. And even as Pastor Shane said earlier about our dependence completely on God, I think that, that was relevant to Shamgar. And I think that should be relevant to us today is that we should be open and obedient and ready to serve any kind of way that we can in our calling. We had a spiritual gifts class not too long ago, and a lot of you guys went through that. You know, it's time to probably put those things into action. So I hope I've charged you a little bit. I hope that I, um, you know, made you take a, a look at yourself maybe a little bit closer when we talk about uh, the cycle of sin and addiction and those things. Because it's not just addiction, it's about living life. That's living life on God's terms, not our own terms. Amen? Amen? Pray. Lord, as we do come before you, Pastor Shane, if you're out there. Lord, as we do come before you, I just want to thank you, Lord, for your grace. We thank you, Lord, for your calling on our lives, Lord, that we are able to do things above and beyond what we even could hope or imagine because of the power that you instill in us as believers as we put our faith and trust in you. So tonight, Lord, if there's anyone out there that is struggling with different issues, they're stuck in that cycle, I ask, Lord, that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit, that you would break that cycle, whatever it is, Lord Jesus, that you would break it, Lord, and they would be obedient to what they're supposed to be doing. Yes, it's a, it's a charge, it's a balance, it's hard, but Jesus never said it would be easy. He just said it would be worth it. And tonight, Lord, we are crying out to you. Lord, help us. Empower us, Lord, by your spirit to walk in spirit, to walk in truth, to honor you all the days of our life, Lord. Clean out any wicked way in us, Lord. Restore us. And we ask this all in Jesus' mighty name. And we give him the glory. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. God bless you.